0: We got another day of NBA action, and with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Flash, the Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. He just can't miss tonight. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more. Only on FanDuel.
2: You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, fans' first sports network. What a week, Doug! We stopped
1: recording, and within hours, Shoei Otani's UCL was torn, and the entire tinge of the offseason changed, color of the offseason changed. And then the Giants went on to still have a good week. Those things are unrelated, but we're going to get to in a minute. They're kind of related. A lot happened in a week. Again, shifting to the Thursday release schedule has changed things somehow. Just different mood. The, the vibes are way off. <laughs> right. I,
0: don't know, I don't know how much our listeners are able to adapt to this, but <laughs> I hope you can bear with us as we do a vibe shift. Is that still a phrase? Do people say that? I don't we're know. D-
1: I'm too old. I would say that uh, in terms of us being old, it's still better that we say that uh, versus replying to tweets with gifts. So that, that really gives away our age. Yeah.
0: I I like that answer. It's on fleek.
1: (laughs) Uh, The giants went three and three. They lost a series to Atlanta as uh, everyone expected. They won a series against the reds, which wasn't a surprise, but would have been nice if they swept in that Kyle Harrison, Made his home debut and he was fantastic, better than expected. Surprised all of us who weren't uh, who aren't in the clubhouse and and had this thought of like, oh, he's out of there after four innings for sure. And no, he went six innings or into the sixth. Uh, some really intense stuff. Or he went into the seventh. What am I saying? And then we had Alex Cobb nearly pitching a no hitter the other night. I don't even know where to begin with either of those things because they're both such surprises, welcome surprises, uh, sort of like, when was the last time the Giants hit their like 99th percentile of expectation? <laughs> it feels like it's been a while since that happened. So that was great. But and and still, not, not
0: just expectations, but actual entertainment. Yeah, like, that's usually, true. <laughs> a Giants game is, it's been kind of a slog lately. Like I saw it, I, a friend of the podcast, Roger Munter, uh was on Twitter yesterday, um, and he had a screenshot of Sam Miller's substack where someone wrote in to say, "Are the is the Giants versus the Reds the battle of the, the most boring team in baseball versus the least boring team? And, like, <laughs> I can see where they're coming from. The Giants are not objectively that exciting. And then Kyle Harrison shows up, and he's incredibly exciting. And then they almost throw a no-hitter the next night. So I'm like, all right, Giants are back. Uh, unrealistic expectations are back. We're doing this. <laughs> I want to watch this team, and then they lost four one.
1: Yeah, in a big wet fart of a of a game. Yeah. a game we've seen all too much. Um, I guess stick a pin on the entertainment value notion just for a second, But the Giants are gonna finish this month with the losing record, either twelve and fifteen or eleven and sixteen. But their playoff odds are still fifteen per, above fifty percent Doug. So we gotta look at it this way. August was a huge test. Can the Giants hang with some of the best teams in the league? Perhaps like the the best teams in the league, the four best. No, they can't. They failed the (laughs) test miserably. It was the midterms, an absolute failure. But they might be able to get enough extra credit work in to still pass the class and make the playoffs. And that's what September is becoming. Now I'm going to return to your point about entertaining. I contend that this is what we will come out with. Strikeouts are good and entertaining. If it's from a pitcher (laughs) bad and it's boring, if it's from a hitter and that's it, that's all baseball has been boiled down to when hitters strike out, it's bad. When pitchers get strikeouts, it's good. That's it. um, Because it's going to have to come down to what we've said. The giants are going to have to just pitch shutouts every night. But the good news is, they have a core of arms where that might actually be plausible, not probable, but certainly right. plausible. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about that Alex Cobb, that near miss um, on a on a very clear strike uh, into the right center field gap. Uh, Gregor Blanco, just being the right having the glove on his right hand, he, maybe he would have dived and made the catch several years ago. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but Alex Cobb, we've seen him have that kind of stuff. He had eight strikeouts in nine innings. But we've seen him have that kind of movement on his pitches, and it just didn't go away. He had it all night, and that was the key to the game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, watching Cobb on uh, on Tuesday, he, um, he looked like the best version of himself, and then he maintained it. And that was sort of the, the impressive thing, because we've seen him do it for five or six innings, and then – maybe get in the seventh and then Kepler takes him out, you know, the pitch counts too high or he starts to look tired, but um, you know, on, on that near no hitter, he, he went, he blew way past his career high for pitches in a game. I think he was at it in the eighth inning or at the end of the eighth inning. And he went out and had a reasonably long ninth inning where he gave up two base runners. Um, so it, you wouldn't expect him to still have it at that point, but he did. Um, and, it, you know, it's disappointing to lose a no-hitter on, a- after getting the first 26 outs without giving up a hit. But, it's, you know, he had a great game. It was fun to watch, and it, I was excited to see it.
1: 131 pitches. This is uh, two starts removed from pitching, from throwing 103 pitches. And then before that, he had 103 pitches back at the beginning of June, and then uh, he had a few more times before that this season. He had the back-to-back starts. I had forgotten about this. Back-to-back starts where he threw over 100 pitches. And look, it's Alex Cobb. That's uh, He had a shutout where he threw 109 pitches. I, I think it's just kind of along the lines of what we used to hear in the old days about like the Derek Lowe's of the world, like sinker ballers. It's okay because <laughs> they're sinker ballers. And last night, I know that one of the keys to Cobb's success and actually wound up, I believe, is what uh, the Reds got the hit on was his splitter was working really well last night. And also there was some, you know, the old conventional wisdom was that the sinker would affect your fastball as well, so or your uh, splitter would affect your fastball as well. I don't know about all that. I do know that Alex Cobb has velocity, but also movement, and his movement was just off the charts. It was just beautiful to behold. I'm glad we got to see it. Um, what does it mean going forward? The Mets broadcast, I think yesterday, they were admonishing the Giants for letting him throw so many pitches. I think between Cobb and Kyle Harrison, who we will be talking about, don't worry, uh, <laughs> that that in this past week, one thing we saw the Giants do was be a little old school with their pitchers. Uh, and, and I guess if you want to look at that as some sort of um, you know, bending to appease cranky fans who are grumpy about the team's hitting and all that stuff or, you know, whatever. It's just like, I think it's just if the guy looks good and he's healthy, just you let him go is like a probably a broader conventional wisdom that even the stat, the analytics people can uh, go with. He looked great. You want him to have the accomplishment. I'm sure there's a measure of vibes now, Doug in the close oh, yes. <laughs> And you know, yes. and the X-joy on Alex Cobb getting a no-hitter was worth the risk there. Um it was you know what was amazing about it though was when he the, when he lost the no-hitter, you could see the adrenaline just completely sabotage <laughs> his performance. It was fantastic. The stuff just like he looked like he lost his breath. That was pretty great. But um I would say when you're close to these types of accomplishments, it's worth it. I think everyone gets it. Those are the times where the analytics saber people, which it's so weird to like make these distinctions. Now, this has been the mode of baseball for over 20 years now. We're in it. There's no like one way or the other. But it's just like it's clear if you've been skeptical for 20 years about Moneyball, like at this point, it's like it's part of the game, but also they're not so stupid as to say we're going to deny a veteran a chance to throw a no-hitter. So I'm yeah, glad I mean, they gave him that chance. The point of watching
0: sports is to see cool and fun stuff. I mean, I don't want to get too technical here, but that's that's what we're all in it for, you know? So to see a guy, to, to look at a guy who's, you know, throwing a bunch of pitches but could throw a no-hitter, you let him go for the no-hitter. Like, whatever. Who cares? Watch the game, nerds. <laughs> Take that run, darling. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's... I have no problem with letting a guy... With letting Alex Cobb go for it there. Like, it, it does not matter, you know? it. The Giants are not that good of a team for it to sabotage their World Series hopes, even if it goes catastrophically wrong. They have already sabotaged their World Series hopes. Give people something to remember. Like 2015, kind of a lost season. I think the Giants went 84 and 78. If I'm remembering right, Chris Heston threw a no hitter. That's incredible. That's yeah. so cool. Like we're we're always going to remember. Yeah, remember when Chris Heston threw that no hitter? You give a ch- you give a guy a chance to do that. Like that's the whole point of the sport. So I was I was excited to see it. I had I will never have a problem with letting a guy go for a no hitter in the ninth when his pitch count is like a little high. Uh,
1: it's fine. Also, remember Captain Kirk's speech. Risk risk <laughs> is our business. That's what this starship is all about. That's why we're aboard her. That's why you play the game. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there. You got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Doves be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! Let's get into something wackier. This is uh this is worth talking about. We're forming most of the show about, which is funny because in just a few hours it could potentially be completely moot, but we gotta talk about it. Because the you can no longer make August waiver trades claims, uh, because of the new trade deadline being a hard out. You can make trades if they're not a part of your 40-man roster. So you can trade among trade minor leaguers. That includes Thirty-year-olds who you know might be in the mi- on minor league deals, but if they're on your forty-man major league deals, you cannot make trades in August, clearing waivers, whatever. The loophole is you can just put a guy on waivers, like you're going to release him, and and teams can claim him, or he'll get released and then signed with another team. Now that's the loophole that we that the Angels are hoping to exploit because they released multiple players. Uh, just two days ago and this morning the it will the waiver order like your fantasy team will be be determined on the record as of this morning and so whoever put in claims based on the record as of this morning will be awarded the player okay so there are some other guys that were released before the before the angels did their dump josh donaldson from the yankees just a, a notable one there uh carlos carrasco here are the others from the Angels, Lucas Giolito, Hunter Renfro, Randall Grichuk, Matt Moore, and Reynaldo Lopez. And then the Yankees released their center fielder, Harrison Bader, whom they traded for last year from the Cardinals, who's hitting terribly, just absolutely below Aaron Rowan levels. Um, and Jose Cisnero the on the Tigers, he was also placed on waivers as well. So I've listed all the guys I think... Are ones the Giants should be looking at, uh Doug. What are your thoughts on the loopholes, this whole situation, the outrage that this is like somehow anti-competitive, all that stuff? What first thought? I mean, it is lame as shit for the Angels.
0: Like that's you—you really can't get around that. That they—they're like, hey, you know these guys who are okay but making a bunch of money. We're going to release them, and then that'll. Tinker with some draft pick bullshit. And instead of getting a fourth round pick for losing Shohei Ohtani in soft season, we're going to get a second round pick.
1: I- right. So the deals, if they're all claimed, they will dance back under the luxury tax threshold. So that's definitely the main reason why they're doing it. And, and, and if, when Otani signs elsewhere because they did not exceed the luxury tax, they will not be penalized for the draft pick compensation type that they receive for Otani leaving. The other argument, though, I guess, is like some of these guys maybe. Well, I mean the 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 PR answer is, well, these guys also now have a chance to join a playoff team.
0: <laughs> and that's technically true. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I I don't I actually don't understand why they just got rid of August waiver trades. I August waiver trades were fine. Like a, it, it's so, such a weird move. Like anyway, no more trades. You now have to have players move through a completely different arcane system full of dumb
1: bullshit. I I don't really get it, uh, but I know why I have an answer. Yeah. (laughs) Craig Goldstein, the uh, editor of uh, baseball prospectus, like he was lamenting about this yesterday too, but it, it all boils down to this. Every GM or president of baseball operations guy, we've talked about this. We've joked about this lamented this, but also complimented this for far anxiety is a great risk manager. So all these guys have been hired because of the way they've been able to market themselves to the hiring bodies as how good they are at managing risk. And what do they do when they finally get enough of like a critical mass of, of s- similar thinking is they change the rules to make it easier for them to limit risk. It's, la- it's just laziness, Doug. That's all it's it's like, let's take the danger out of any of our moves and we can keep being smarter. That did make me think that there is a non-zero. There's a possibility today. We could see all these smarties look at themselves, like stand around and no one make a claim because (laughs) we could see that happen. It would be very bizarre if they did that. Now, if the angels, if no one claims them, I think the angel's, keep them because they played in their games so they didn't release them if they just released them they would owe them the salary and then the guys could sign elsewhere but they are they place them on waivers specifically so that guys can be claimed and then the full salaries can be absorbed by the claiming team you got a bunch of teams like that are ahead of the giants in the standing order by the way you might remember the waiver order as being determined by the league so like an angels player it's based in the reverse order of like the American League. Well, that's not the case anymore. It's just record across the whole both leagues. I guess it only comes down to if there's a tie, then the tiebreaker is the league. So the Giants, I think they are uh 69-64. The Reds are ahead of them, the Marlins are ahead of them, and I think the Twins and the Red Sox are also ahead of them. And that's like ahead of them and that those teams have worse records. So they are both in the wild card or division hunts and so would have higher waiver claim access for any of these players. The Marlins, Reds, and Diamondbacks, I didn't mention them, but they're in there too. They're all teams, oh, and the Twins, they're all teams that were affected by the regional sports network bankruptcies that have been going on. So there's like an actual legitimate financial quote-unquote reason they could throw out there that affects them. But we really are just talking about Like Hunter Renfro, I think, has the most left on his deal, two point two million for the last thirty games of the season, last month of the season. But like Lucas Giolito, who is a starter, the Giants could use, I think, one point nine two five. Randall Grichuk's one point nine. Matt Moore, old friend alert, one point four (laughs) million. You know, these are like more than the prorated major league minimum over the last month of the season, but they are still effectively trivial numbers. For a lot of them, for a lot of teams, these are like game day takes. So you would get it all back in a, in a playoff scenario, right? You would be investing this money to then get it back on playoff gate that you'd have tickets and concessions and parking. All that said, Doug, can you, isn't it easy to imagine, given the climate of front offices today to imagine everyone going, why would we help the angels out? (laughs) Um, I do think there's a couple of those guys that will get claimed. I think
0: Giolito will get claimed and possibly Gritchett too. I think um, Gritchett's at least been fine this year.
1: Um, Gritchett's been terrible since the trade to the Angels. Yeah. He was good uh, with the Rockies. The Giants do have seven games against the Rockies, including four in Colorado where he had a 945 OPS. Just putting that out there. That was in 32 games. Um, but, like Renfro hasn't had a good year i mean I really
0: they're all other than I think Matt Moore, who was weirdly good, and I'm not gonna trust that um we've been burned before by him, am I right <laughs> uh, I think they're all kind of having disappointing years, which makes sense because they're on the angels, the angels fell apart, uh especially after Giolito got traded there, and Giolito's Yare is in the high sixes since he's been in the angels um. But like you look at that, and you, I think there will be someone who sees talent that they might be able to use. And the Giants are in a good position. I would be, I would be surprised if the Giants didn't put in a claim on one or two of them. Um, I mean, they're you know they're messing around with AJ Pollock, then they could give Randall Grichuk a, a shot. They have three real starters right now, plus maybe Tristan Beck, depending on what they're going to do with him i could see them giving giolito a shot um
1: giolito would help them he has strikeout stuff which they you know outside of harrison in the rotation quote-unquote not there you know he's a like a he's like at a nine something strikeouts per nine uh which is great about renfro he homered yesterday he has 19 on the season he has 30 doubles his uh, OPS plus is like, like 94, 95. I get it. That's not good. But that's better than what the Giants have. And I don't understand why suddenly a lot of fans who love everything the team does. The Giants are being offered a series of Paul DeYoungs. <laughs> so these Paul's, are marginal up. Yeah, Paul's young. This is the one time where we can do... The, the attorney's general joke, because that's correct. These are all Paul's. De- <laughs> they are. They fall into the same category of marginal upgrades that will not cost you anything except money. So I would say that the only cynical reason why you would. I mean, if you're a fan arguing for if the team does nothing and I agree with you, they've got to claim one of these guys and we're going to talk about in just a second why one might be all they could afford to to claim it's not because of money but i would have to say that if you don't see all these guys claimed it is because of money maybe not just in the case of the giants but certainly all the all the guys these guys are making for the rest of the season for teams that are trying to make it into the playoffs this any one of these guys could help your team get into the playoffs and then one playoff game pays for him (laughs) so it's like i don't i don't get it like Hunter Renfro is a right handed power hitter, so his power will not be killed by Oracle Park. He is a national league guy for the most part. Um, He played for the Padres for four years, played for the Rays one year in the strike year, or sorry, in the COVID year. He played for the Red Sox and he did fine there. He played for the Brewers just last year. You know, his slugging is better than what they have. He can actually also play the field, unlike Jock Peterson. The Mm, Grinch of... Can he? Well,
0: well, okay, so. Yeah, his defense is why Baseball Reference has him as a below-replacement-level player this year.
1: Gritchick is worse, is kind of what I was getting at on defense. The guy, if they're really going to pick anybody, I mean, if we're going to pick someone for hitting, I'm going to go with Renfro. If we're going to pick someone for defense, I'm going to go with Harrison Bader. Because that guy's defense in center field is elite, and I don't know, I would roll the dice that you could figure out a way to make him hit slightly better than Luis Matos. In uh, and and be a little bit better that way. Why not just keep Luis Matos on the roster? I, uh, well, Harrison Bader is a such... He's plus eight outs above average in center field, Doug. That is an elite defender in center at a key position. So I'm enamored of him. Um, the, the pitching, Giolito, I can see if they... I can just imagine he'll get claimed before the Giants have a chance to claim him. But uh, between Ronaldo Lopez and Jose Cisnero, I think either one of those guys, hopefully the Giants claim one of them. I think they'd both be great. Cisnero, he's got the sinker slider, and Ronaldo is the four-seam slider guy. But, you know, 101 with his fastball, like high high average velocity there. Cisnero, though, that's a guy that can like, let's just turn him into another John Brebbia. Bink! (laughs) Then they'll have multiple, they'll have John's Brebbia on the roster. But All right, so who do you think they will get? Because I'm sure, or who do you think they'll claim, and who do you think they'll get? I mean, I
0: definitely think they'll claim Giolito. I'm, I'm a little wary of them claiming any relievers. I don't know. Cause you know, Brevia is going to be back soon. I just don't see the, the spot on the roster for them. Um, it's hard to see. I think they like the construction of the bullpen. So to, to get an underperforming guy like Cisnero, who should be good, was very good last year, had been good before that has been pretty bad this year. Um, with a lot of uh, just, well, last year he walked a ton of guys, but this year he's giving up a bunch of homers. I think, um, you know, they, they have guys who give up too many homers already. They want another one. Do they think they can fix him in a month? Uh, that's a little iffy. I mean, Matt Moore is objectively the best reliever available. Yes. Bart Farhan was not personally responsible for anything that happened when Matt Moore was in San Francisco. So he might not have the same baggage with him that, um, let's say, I do. <laughs> I, but, I, but, I, but I don't know that, that they're going to go for him. And that Moore probably will get uh, picked up before the Giants uh, have a shot. I,
1: Moore's been good.
0: I can't imagine a lefty with good stuff having a, an excellent year is going to make it all the way to the Giants. There's you know four teams clustered right with them who are going to want to give him a shot you have to think he's going to go to one of those teams.
1: Well, um, another – I want to bring up this point about how what what can they do to a guy in 30 days. I mean, if the Giants are trying to be the Dodgers, the Dodgers got Lance Lynn and literally, like, pressed the button. <laughs> and Lance Lynn was suddenly back to being a solid starting pitcher. So you have to think or expect that they would be able to do that with any acquisition. And if that's a reason to argue against it, then I don't know what the f- – we're doing here because i thought the whole goal was to make one good baseball move after another and find take use every advantage to make up any improvement to the roster even if they're marginal upgrades and i look at this list of guys and i see marginal 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 upgrades (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe we're in business now
0: Um, yeah i mean you can make you can make an argument for for both i think renfro and Kritchuk. like as pieces of the roster. I don't know if you can make an argument for them as objectively like upgrades over Luis Matos, but maybe the Giants will think differently. I could see them putting in a claim on one of them. um, Totally. And if I'm thinking of one, it's the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know what they're thinking. But like I could see it. I could also see them not liking whatever is going on with their swings. I could see them not, you know, I could see them having some doubts that they're not going to obviously be open about uh, publicly.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, but ultimately it, it will feel a lot more like, oh, there's some weird money issue going on. Like the yeah. Giants are too close to the salary tax line or whatever. But this is a move that two weeks ago, there would be no question like any one of these guys they would add. They, they would probably put in claims on all of them and they'd just figure it out but suddenly everyone's weird after a three and three week. And suddenly everyone's very precious about the smart front office, getting their guys together. Oh, they just had one bad game where they lost four to one. No, they've been a bad offense for almost three months. They're not. It's like any improvement you can get, you should take all that said new segment. (laughs) How the hell would they fit any of these guys onto the roster? Even if they claimed and they, they got, they want to claim on one of these players, it's going to take all of our anxiety's Excel spreadsheeting juggling to make this work because even if you, they don't get anybody, the the roster crunch is real. Even with the roster expansion happening tomorrow, it's uh, the, it can only go up to 28. So 28 active players. Well, the Giants currently have five players set to return. One of those is on the 60 day IL John Brevia, So we will have to actually then be moved back onto the 40 man, which is currently full. So, so they've got to make room on the 40 man and then they've got to make five roster spots, uh, on the 28 man. And I don't know any thoughts on that, Doug. <laughs>
0: uh, so, I mean the spot on the 40 man, I think is pretty trivial because AJ Pollock still has a, a spot on the 40 man. Um, whether they do that the mean way by releasing him or by tr- transferring him to the 60 day IL either way, that's, that's easy to get breby on um, a spot. You know, if you need a spot, an extra spot on the, uh, on the active roster, if you get an outfielder, you can probably send down Wade Meckler. Um, you know, he's, he had a good week, but he's, they're, they can send him down very easily. Uh, in terms of other forty-man spots, I mean, I think threat Wisely is pretty expendable at this point. Do uh, you think? Huh. Yeah, I, I do think that.
1: Um, well, I also think Sean Jelly and David Vr are also expendable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and Alex so Wood could be released. It, they
0: seem like they don't want to do that.
1: Yeah, so that was going to be my point about AJ Pollock, because between he and Alex Wood, we're now past the point of no return where they could release those guys, and those guys could sign with another team in time to join, being part of the organization to be eligible for the playoffs. It seems like it'd be a real bastard move to jerk around Alex Wood all year and then release him after he can't. Join the Dodgers, but maybe that's exactly what the Giants (laughs) want to avoid. They're they're trying to prevent that, and they're fine with pissing off Alex Wood. Uh, and yeah, the Paul, but the Pollock thing, the other part of it is not just what I said, but also, I mean, let's not forget here that this is still, you know, competition, and there's going to be a pride element of Zaidi where, oh, he trade this was his only deadline move and it died. Like, he released the guy, he's just paying him two million two and a half million to go away. I just don't see that happening. It could. I mean, I, th- I think the argument would be if you get Hunter Renfro
0: or Randall Gritchuk, that's the better version. Of or out of, or G- well,
1: And G- that's the only way to make him fit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Specifically though, like with the outfielders, you know, we wanted to give a, an outfielder who's been good a shot. Well, now we have an outfielder who's been good more recently. Uh, we're going to give him a shot instead. I think that's how you kind of justify that. Giolito, I think, is a legitimate roster need. So you just do whatever you have to do there. um, And, you know, you you let the chips fall where they may.
1: Yeah, so another part of that, you just reminded me, another thing. Because if they don't do anything, like if we find out they didn't make any claims, I'm going to blow a gasket. It's so hot in L.A. right now, everyone. I'm just like, we have no AC. I'm like losing my mind. So. I'm spiraling out of control here in some cases, but like if they don't make any claims and I'm sure they will, but if they don't, (laughs) it's going to be very maddening because it's exactly what you just said, Doug. We've got a bunch of guys on the roster who haven't been able to play. If you're Mitch Hanager, even Michael Conforto, Mike is And so the idea that the giants would look at these other players who are available, who are not like lighting the world on fire. They're not amazing players, but they're objectively on paper upgrades of guys. And they've been playing more recently. The the idea that you would table that and prefer the imagined potential of guys who've let you down all year because they can't play that would drive me insane. That will be <laughs> infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> we signed Mitch Haniger knowing he's a huge injury risk, but what if he wasn't? Meanwhile, Hunter Renfro is hitting almost thirty home runs a year. But we, no, that's and, he, and he's up to twenty already this year, or close to it. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the imagined potential is better. Like it's oh, it just drive me nuts. So Brebbia has to come back. Crawford, Ross Stripling, Michael Conforto, AJ Pollock. Those are the guys on the IL, the 28 for me, the, to get to 28 seems pretty easy because they're already on the 10 day IL You've got Brandon Crawford and Ross Stripling, probably Stripling's on the 15, but I imagine like those are two pretty easy spots. I don't know who's actually scheduled to come back first between Crawford and Michael Conforto, I would assume it's Crawford. And then what about Keaton Wynn? He's he's uh, back in pitching, right? Is he,
0: is he back in pitching?
1: I thought he was back in pitching, but I mean, that's a potential guy that if he is pitching, you're gonna wanna have him. Didn't mention this. We don't know what the state of Luciano's injury is. It would be a shame, but also the minor league season's nearing the end anyway. They could 60 day IL him as well, and that could open mm. up a spot. Yeah. Um, um.
0: So that's, that's all on the table. Yeah. So what, you're right. Keaton Wynn is back in pitching. Honestly, it does seem like the guy who's most likely who who you would think on a performance basis is most likely to go is Alex Wood. But again, huge Dick move. Would they do it anyway? I don't know. They did release Jeff Samarja on the last day of the twenty eight twenty eighteen 2018 or 2019 season. The last day <laughs> of his contract to get some, some other guy on the roster for it in a completely lost season. So that was 2019. I think it was Farhan's first year. Yeah. It's the weirdest move
1: I've ever seen. So, you know, that's on the table. Um, it, it, yeah. It would be sick. You would know that they have a thing against Alex Wood if they won the claim from Matt Moore and then released Alex <laughs> Wood. <to> Matt <Vietnam. laughs> Oh, man. That's, that is big sickos energy right there. <laughs> Yeah. And then I was thinking, you know, I mentioned David VR, but it's also like, you know, come to think of it, their third base uh, depth is actually pretty shallow. It's basically Casey Schmidt and J.D. Davis and David VR, I guess Wilmer Flores, um, too, but it's basically those guys. So I don't know if that would happen. But also, don't forget, they could maybe phantom IL a couple of guys. What's going on with Luke Jackson? Tyler Rogers hasn't looked quite right. You know, there's just there's there's ways to make it happen. All right. That was kind of fun. And it, also this segment's going to be moot in like literally hours, but it was worth talking about. So we hope you listen to it on time. That's right. Kyle Harrison, let's talk about him for a few minutes. That was exciting. Did you ever think you would live to see the Giants once again having a guy like that? I didn't.
0: No, no. It really <laughs> felt like it was never going to happen again. Like the best we were ever going to get out of the Giants' pharmacism was a bunch of Joe Panics. And I was like, that's, that's fine. That's okay. I don't mind. Don't like, I like Joe Panic. So that's good. Just just give us like four, four new ones every year and we're okay. And they didn't give us four new ones every year. Uh, And then uh, in 2023, we got Kyle Harrison. So it all worked out.
1: Eleven strikeouts and then two walks. So middle finger to the automated strike zone. (laughs) Uh, Some complaints, I guess, or concerns that he pitched, you know, through so many pitches, pitched so many innings where he hadn't really he hadn't pitched more than five innings in what at least since last year um, certainly exceeded his pitch count and all that. Uh, according to Andy, Andy Baggerly, they were getting ready to ramp up his pitch count. Excuse me, before he had his uh, what was it his hamstring injury, and so that actually delayed it. But you know, literally two major league starts in, they're like, oh, you're fine now. You're, you're stretched <laughs> out. Let's go for it. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the thought I had while watching it, because his fastball looked crisp and all that and looked great deep into the game. Uh, I like that he's trying a changeup. That's cute. And I, he calls his slurve or sweeper a slider. Great. Whatever, man. Whatever works. Go for it. <laughs> um, but what, I, what could also be happening is, you know, the Giants could just be at risk evaluating and saying it's more valuable if he throws more of his pitches in the major leagues. And it could be as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, it's, so, I mean, it could even be simpler
0: than that. It could be he's he was feeling good. Let's see what he's got. Like,
1: you know, I, they, I were saying, they were saying they were saying that the weather for that series. Do you remember the broadcast? So like great weather. They're like, where's the hitting, though? <laughs> like, good, <going laughs> that kind of thing. Maybe the weather was like perfect pitching conditions. Yeah, it could be. So everyone felt really good. Uh, was there a fav- uh, favorite moment of yours that you had from the game? I-, I have one. I don't mean to put you on the spot. I can cut it out if you don't.
0: Uh, I mean, I think obviously he started out with five straight strikeouts. Like yeah. when you do that, that's that's <laughs> sort of the excitement factor. Like it just builds with everyone, right? You're like, yep. oh, start- oh, he's, oh, oh. I, I don't want to make another noise because then we'll have to slap an adults only rating on this podcast. But <laughs> uh, it's... Like it was just you were watching him, kind of mouth open. Like, when's the last time I saw anything like this from a Giants pitcher, uh, Tim Lincecum? Like, as as great as Bumgarner was, absolutely no shade on Bumgarner, obviously, but like, he it wasn't. He never did it with like the blow away strikeout stuff, guy after guy after guy. Yeah. So I, just watching that happen, it was it was incredible. It was like, oh, this is all this is for real. This is like a top prospect this this is why everyone else the Giants have ever had never cracked the top 40 on the top prospects list because they couldn't do something like this
1: it a little bit did have more of a Lincecum feel but there was also sort of an effortless effortlessness to it that reminded me of just last season with Carlos Rodon like, it, it, there was just that element with his fastball. But in terms of just, like... And then, and then he strikes out Ellie De La Cruz with his, with his sweeper, which De La Cruz looked completely broken down. That was great. Um, I love that his mom picked him up after the game. She gave him such a big <laughs> hug. That was cool. Yeah. A very exciting stuff. The Giants adding another player in their arsenal of guys you want to see. And, um, and that's really great. So between you know, Webb and Cobb... And Harrison, that is a really solid front three. And then if you do add Tristan Beck into the mix, which we should, um, and even Sean Minaya is pitching well as like your bulk guy, that's going to get you through a five-game series pretty easily to say nothing of a, of a three-game card series. But that's a good start. And obviously we're putting a lot of pressure on Harrison right away. But at least my being an old man, my experience of like, well, most of the league hasn't seen him. So at least the first time through it, he has the advantage. Um, And maybe that's true, but you know, all of your plans are as good as the first encounter with the enemy, right? In this case, how will we do against Mookie Betts? (laughs) Uh, But really cool. Really cool. I cannot wait for his next start, which will be next week, which we'll talk about in a minute. But before then, Doug, what's something else you found interesting about the giants this past week? We already talked about Kyle Harrison, so it's gotta be something else.
0: They're finally getting a little BABIP luck, which is nice. nice. Wade Meckler and Austin Slater are finally having balls drop in, and it's you can absolutely fool yourself into thinking that they're better than they are now because hey, you hit you hit six sixty seven over a week. I'm not looking at the eight hundred <laughs> Uh but it, it's also kind of a proof of what what their games can be, and that they're not they're not completely overwhelmed at the major league level, like Weckler, like Meckler looked like he might be and Slater had looked since the all-star break. Um, You know, sometimes balls just don't fall in and that doesn't mean you're bad at baseball now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Balls have started to fall in for them. uh, And they're both also doing, uh, doing pretty well with, uh, with plate discipline over the last week. Both of them have walked more than they've struck out, um, which is, which is really exciting. That's what the Giants want to see. That's what you want to see kind of as a fan, because as we've already mentioned, strikeouts as a hitter are boring. Um, (laughs) So to, to see them doing what they're supposed to do and also get the results for it has been a lot of fun.
1: I thought it was very interesting that you could smell the concessions as you came up on McCovey Cove, because this weekend I got on a boat I went around the San Francisco Bay and actually for the first time in my life got to sit in a boat during a game in McCovey Cove. And it was incredible. So like in this past month, I've done two things with the stadium I've never done before. And both things just made me fall in love with the place even more. It's not like I had to do it all over again. It's not like Oracle Park had uh, fallen out of favor in my mind. I cherish the place. I love it. I think it's beautiful. Seeing a game from that direction was fantastic and really as we were creeping up on it as we were dropping out of warp and entering the star system like the the food uh smell was very strong i thought that was very interesting and i get it i get what the seagulls are all about because when the smell goes away that's when they appeared it was pretty interesting anyway (laughs) anything else i mean we've already hit most of the big highlights
0: uh i do kind of want to give a shout out to uh ryan walker again i like ryan walker that's it (laughs) i just i just like ryan walker (laughs) Brian,
1: what's something you found concerning this week? I'm going to push back on your interesting with my concerning. This lineup isn't ready for primetime yet, and it's a little bit frustrating to imagine (laughs) what I already said, which is that the Giants might be looking at their injured players and their rookies and think it's better better to risk the next 30 games on them than any of these guys available on the waiver wire. I mean – Randall Grittrick, Hunter Renfro. Why would? It, why am I even entertaining these guys? It's because the Giants' lineup is still so bad. So, so I'm very concerned that the Giants being as bad as they've been uh, is making me think about guys I wouldn't ordinarily. You know, you kind of wrote about this last week, actually, that the Giants might be smart, but so what? Yeah, which isn't the same as like they might be too smart for their own good. But it's it's sort of like you've highlighted all the like the positives, but it's still the case that. Over the last two months, now you keep moving the dates, like they're no longer the thirtieth offense in MLB, they're now the 29th, but Woo! just above the <laughs> we did it! mission accomplished. But they're down there with the with non-playoff teams, one of those being the Angels. So then why would you go and grab one or two Angels? Great point. Great point. The one the guy I just made up in my head. But the point is, is that the lineup is getting. Better, measurably better, but is it getting noticeably better? And if you say, "Well, I I only pay attention to the numbers," therefore, measurably is the same as noticeably. I would say, entertainment wise, still not that dynamic. It's just concerning because it feels a lot like they have the potential to limp into the postseason or get into the wild card round, and it's still going to kind of be like what happened against the Dodgers and the NLDS, where. The Giants can scheme and platoon, but it's going to ultimately fall on, oh, the other team just has more talent, which is exactly what you wrote. But it just seems like, can, can you honestly expect the same group to suddenly magically get better this season? You know what I mean? Like there's so many people saying if they could just hit to their career averages. Well, they haven't all year. Maybe they're just having a down year. It happens. But why are we sitting there going, well, we just got to hope. That they turn around. <laughs> and you drawing out these I like these things of what could be good. These are all things that are n- useful, I think, for next next year. Even though there's a great article in Fangraphs about how maybe you know, stat cast is not necessarily predictive towards next year. It's like an interesting data point for projections. But to me, it's like it is helpful to know: is this guy toast? Or is there still something there? Which I don't need that for like to know how much it could help them next year. It's just like, oh, Michael Conforto back from surgery, playing full-time. Yeah, there's still baseball in there. Now, is it going to be $18 million worth? Probably not. Is Austin Slater a non-tender candidate? I don't know. It's still kind of on the fence, but everything you're pointing out that you have mentioned last two episodes, Doug, it's like, yeah, there's still something there. And maybe he really did just go through a patch. And then with rookies, rookies are rookies, and we're going to get what we get from them this year, and that's fine. So I'm still concerned because I don't think this lineup is... I mean, the Giants will literally be playing in prime time if they make the wild card. And I think they're just going to embarrass themselves more likely than not.
0: Anyway. Oh, anything that oh concerns the Giants you? always embarrass themselves.
1: Fair enough. Uh, anything that concerned you this past week? Uh, I wouldn't say this is the past week
0: because he didn't get a lot of playing time, but just over the last month, man, uh, Blake Sable's been really bad. And the Giants are just kind of writing it out because they want to keep him in the organization. Like, there's, there's really no way around it. Uh, he had a good July uh, because he hit some homers, which homers are great, don't get me wrong, but his June was very bad, and his August has been god-awful. He's been, the last couple months, uh, his walk percentage has been below 5% both months, and he has struck out more than 35% of the time. Oh. Uh, in August... He ha- has a weighted runs created plus of 24. And it's noticeable when you watch him. He does not have an extra base hit this month. Uh, the thing that he's supposed to be good at is, you know, the power. Like, you, you take some strikeouts to get some power. There's been lots of strikeouts and no power. Um, the Giants are, I think, pretty clearly hiding him uh, by, by having through having Patrick Bailey just be the starter now, Um, he probably shouldn't be on the roster. But the Giants don't have a choice if they want to keep him around. So, I mean, that's, I don't want to call it a waste of a spot, but it it really is noticeable how they're getting no production at all from the backup catcher spot.
1: Uh, And when he does catch, they're they're getting blown out. Yeah. So, not fun. No. No. What might be fun is this weekend in San Diego, <laughs> where the Giants will be playing four games, and I think it it'll be fun and a little scary because we're going to get a chance to see these guys up close. This team that on paper, you know, was destined for greatness, we're going to get a front row seat to seeing just what the hell happened. We're gonna we're gonna be able to like. Do like a forensic analysis of what happened to the Padres, and then are they going to like be the Joker and claim one of these waiver guys just because? Like, we're not sure we're in it, but maybe we could be. You know what I mean? You know, like, I, we don't know. I, I, I was thinking it'd be pretty funny if the Mets claimed all of them.
0: <laughs> I think they should go I mean, for it.
1: I'm hoping like the, I'm hoping like the Marlins just decide to claim all of them. I think that'd be cool. I mean, uh, but also it would be objectively funny if. If the Nationals or the or the Mets or the Padres are just like ah just do it, <laughs> let's do it <laughs> and just use the power of spite to uh to finish off their season, which I respect great greatly. Doug, will you be writing anything spiteful about the Giants this week? Do you think?
0: Uh, everything I write is spiteful, Brian, uh, <laughs> and you can find it at GiantsDoug.substack.com, where I write every Tuesday and Thursday. Hey, one of those days today uh, about the Giants. Brian, where can people find you?
1: You can read my sun-bleached writings at McCoveyChronicles.com. We're part of Fans First Sports Network. FansFirstSports.com, FansFirstSN on Twitter. And you can follow us on Twitter, at GiantsCroncast. We're still going to do a mailbag at the end of the year. So send us your questions, at us there, at GiantsCroncast. Also, next week we're going to be doing our Bullpen Trust Power Rankings. And Doug, I have a prediction about that. Yeah. There's going to be some movement on that There's list. There's going to be some movement. Yeah, yeah. I'm still I'm still mad about
0: some events from the middle of this month.
1: So I feel like I need to re-up my Tyler Rogers statement because it sounds like the Giants really do need to be negged. And Tyler Rogers is a great mascot player to have on a rebuilding team, which the Giants very well could be. And he just might be one of those inspirational guys. It's like, how's he doing it? Good thing I'm more talented than him. and then when the team is good a guy like him just goes away hopefully that motivates him Uh, but anyway until next week go Giants